Inspired Execution is a podcast featuring tech leaders from some of the world's largest enterprises and fastest-growing startups. Hosted by Datastax Chairman and CEO Chet Kapoor, each episode follows a leader's journey to scaling a massive business while inspiring their teams. Join us to learn about the experiences that have shaped them, challenges they've overcome, and the advice they'd give to their younger selves. Jacqueline Guichelar, Group CIO at Cisco, has 28 years of IT experience. She previously led teams and spearheaded the introduction of new technologies at IBM, Deutsche Bank, and Reuters. In this episode, you'll hear Jackie's unique journey, from being born in Uruguay and growing up in Australia, to working all over the world and DJing in her spare time. Follow along to find out how she cultivates diverse teams, puts customer experience at the forefront of product strategy, and courageously pushes the envelope to spark transformation. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super, super excited to, uh, to have you on the podcast. You have had an amazing journey, right? Uh, born in Uruguay and then migrated to Australia, your first job with, with IBM. Tell us a little bit about the journey. So the first thing I would say is that, um, you know, even though I sound Australian, Chet, I'm actually born in Uruguay, as you say. So some of my friends or my other half call me a Latina kangaroo. So, uh, yeah, which is, uh, which is kind of appropriate because I'm probably more Latina. That's why, that's why it comes first than I am kangaroo. But, um, yeah, my parents moved to Australia in 1974 when I was two years old. Um, and actually, it's interesting, right? They were immigrants um, who, who moved over when Australia was encouraging immigrants to, um, to move to Australia. We moved to Sydney. And, uh, you know, and literally they turned up in a country not speaking a word of English, and I think that, you know, that's carried, um, that's carried with me for my, for, my, for my whole life. Just, you know, the thought of um, my parents moving to the other side of the world, not speaking a word of English, giving up their lives in Uruguay for the future of their children um, in a country that they didn't even know or understand, um, I always found quite inspiring and courageous, if I'm honest. So, so you know, long story short, I, um, my parents were cleaners. Uh, we came from humble beginnings. We, um, you know, I went to school. Um, I struggled with English, believe it or not, because my first language was Spanish. Um, and at the time, you know, I was probably one of the only immigrants in our school. So a lot of blonde girls, a lot of Australian girls. And then there was me, Jackie, who, who, had, a, who had a Spanish accent at the time. So that was, that was pretty hard to deal with in terms of like being accepted um, and being accepted, you know, because I was definitely different to them at the time, uh, 1974. Um, so yeah, from there, um, you know, I went through school, my brother went through school and I knew at a pretty early age that my parents couldn't afford to send my brother and I to university. So, um, knowing that and not really enjoying school at the time for the reasons I described before, I said to my parents, you know what, how about I go to work? I was 17 years old. How about I go work and you send Daniel, my brother to university because he's smarter than I am. And, you know, I'll go work because I'm actually happy to do that. And um, and that's how I started in IT, believe it or not. 17 years old, I started as a tape operator on the night shift, moved on to mainframes, um, monitored the networks for airlines, for manufacturing companies, for television stations, for banks, you know, and the rest is history. 31 years later, here I am um, wondering, you know, what happened, um, but I have definitely enjoyed the ride. And, you know, and, in, and amongst that, I've... I've lived all over the world from, I went from Australia, a little stint in Singapore to Germany, 
to London, to New York in Wall Street, back to London, and now I'm in California. So there's a lot in there, let me tell you. For sure. I mean, Cisco, Thomson Reuters, Lloyd's, um, IBM, right? A lot of great background. What came easy? What came easy? As you went through this, right? Different industries, different locations. What was easy for you? So I think what was easy, you know, I joined IBM when I was 20 years old. My first management job was 21 years old at IBM, uh, just after Lou Gerstner basically restructured the whole IBM company. And what came easy, which I, I just found, um, I found it quite exciting, was access to education. So I, you know, during my eight years at IBM, I must have done 50 to 60 to 70 to 80 online courses, everything from conflict management to how to build a strategy to how to code mainframes, how to, how to build a database, you know, and that access to information. I mean, I was so hungry for it. That came easy, you know, considering what I said earlier, which is we didn't have enough money for, for both of us to go and be educated. And I found my way of educating myself through the great companies that I work for. So to me, you know, the education and the ability to learn every single day, that was like, it was the, it was easy access. And I just, I just soaked it up. Constant learning, right? Constant Always learning. learning. Absolutely. And it hasn't stopped by the way. Oh, no, no, that's, that is very clear in, in, in the way you talk about this, as well as our prior conversations. It's, that's awesome. What was hard? What was hard? Um, look, I think I think what was hard, I would say, is was probably understanding the different cultures and, for want of a better word, depending on which company, I won't mention which company, the fiefdoms, uh, the the inner circles, and how to navigate, how to navigate and penetrate, um, and and be accepted to be part of the part of the team. I think that was hard. And I think actually what really set me up for success is, you know, the early parts of my life where I, you know, I was different. I wasn't Australian. I sounded different. Um, and I wasn't necessarily, you know, um, readily accepted into the groups at school. Um, and I think that really set me up um, to not take it personally, but actually try to navigate and understand, well, why, why is it that in companies you see these groups or, or, or these different cultures, and how do you actually uh, disarm people and try to understand their point of view and put yourself in their shoes so that you can, you know, somehow be uh, accepted? Because actually, my philosophy is the more difference of thoughts, you know, thought or thinking that you bring into teams, the better that they, the better they are. I mean, diverse teams are absolutely amazing, and I've I've been lucky enough to build a couple of really diverse um, teams in my career. And let me tell you, they, they, they go at speed and the innovation that they can come up with is just incredible. So yeah, that was hard, but I think I've, I've learned to navigate it um, and you know, to some extent use it as an advantage. It is really interesting. A lot of people talk about you know, diversity and, and uh, you know, it can be race, gender, whatever else, you uh, different variations of it. You know, the school of thought has always been if you if you ignore it, maybe it doesn't exist. But that's you have to acknowledge it and you have to acknowledge it up front. Right. I mean, literally, you have to deal with it. You cannot flank it. You have to acknowledge it up front and have, and, and have to create the environment as leader, as a leader to actually have that conversation. Right. And it seems like having been on the receiving end of it at a very young age, you actually, it seemed like you were equipped to handle more of those situations as you, you know, progress through your career. 
if I look at my career and I look at leaders around me and I look at the teams that they build, I would say that it's easier to build teams that you've worked with before. So you see people move around the industry, move around into different roles, and they'll usually hire people that worked with them before. Now, if you look at my career, that very rarely happens um, because I believe that, you know, that talent exists everywhere. So I don't need to take it from wherever it was. Now, it, that, you know, it may be the case on occasion, but, you know, I think, I think learning people, building diverse teams and, and looking and, and trying to form teams with, with ha which have that different thinking, you know, whether some of them are strategists, some of them are deep engineers, some of them are really good in terms of understanding how to translate business into technology. And I think you need all of the above. Now, by the way, it makes it really harder to make it work because you, you find that teams that have very different thinking usually take a lot longer to understand each other, a lot longer to respect each other, and a lot longer to actually turn that into action, innovation, and strength as, a, as an entire team. So it's not an easy thing to do, but I'm a, a massive believer in it, which is why I'd I try and do it, you know, wherever I can. You're currently responsible for running and transforming the technology infrastructure and application development at Cisco. Uh, tell, us a, tell us a little bit about a day in your life. A day in my life. Well, you know what? The a day in my life, uh, I think, since February has changed dramatically. Uh, and I've been talking to a few colleagues of mine. Um, it, it's not the case for everyone. So I, you know, pre-COVID, I would have started at eight and finish quite late. Um, since COVID, I'm up at 5 a.m. And being a Latina, I'm not necessarily an early bird. I've never been an early bird in my entire life, but I work long hours. So I start at 5 a.m. So pretty much since February, 5 a.m. Couple of reasons for that. One, you know, I have a global team. So out of respect, I don't want the team in the UK or Asia having to stay up late just because the majority of us are in the US. We have to actually acknowledge that we're a global organization. So I do it for that reason. And secondly, I've just found that um, I can now think clearer in the morning, whereas before I do a lot of my strategic thinking in the evening. So a lot of, a lot of my habits have changed and, and that's not the case for everyone. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm unique in that regard. You know, what I do now, um, which I find a little easier than before, is I just make sure I challenge myself every single day to spend 50% of my working time thinking about strategy, innovation, industry, you know, talent, um, and then the other 50% worrying about people. How are people doing from a mental health perspective, from a support perspective, because everyone has a different experience now. I think we can't underestimate how difficult it is on people in terms of their mental health. So to me, that's a that's a very front of mind thing. And of course, yeah, somewhere in between there, Chet, I'm, I run the business. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about the business you're one of the you're one of the key voices in the company's customer zero initiative at Cisco uh, tell us a little bit about that so customer zero um, is you know it's all about how do we in Cisco IT use and leverage the Cisco products so I was a customer of Cisco before I joined Cisco for many decades when I was at Deutsche Bank I was a customer of Cisco when I was at Lloyds Bank I was a customer of Cisco at Thomson Reuters. I was a customer of Cisco. And, you know, and in my time, I, you know, I would have said that um, Cisco had amazing products, but I would challenge Cisco to say, look, how can you make your products easier to integrate? Um, how can you give me a platform that gives me networking solutions or security solutions as opposed to 
more product-based solutions. And I think that's what CIOs are looking for. When I joined Cisco and I was talking to the leadership team, what was great about the role that I've taken is I'm not just here to transform Cisco IT. I'm also here to transform Cisco. And I'm also here to transform the way that we build and use the products for our customers. Because by the way, I am customer zero, right? I'm the first customer. So if I can get closer to the engineering organization and tell them how how I want WebEx to be integrated with my incident management process and the way that I do my workflow. So it's fully automated so that when I have an incident, um, I can go from ServiceNow triggers WebEx to call the people who can resolve the network incident. And I'm, and I'm responding, um, you know, to, to something within seconds and I've got everyone online and they've got access to the documentation, then I've actually changed the entire experience. So you're not just talking about, you know, one product or two, but you're talking about a fully integrated platform that allows you to do, you know, incident response in a way that you haven't done before. So the more smarts that we can bring to the table in the way that we sell products to our customers, because we are using them internally, I think the more successful we'll be as a company. So it's exciting because if you think about it, the IT organization, yes, we're here to run the applications and the infrastructure and all the rest of it for Cisco, but now we're also on the front end. So my team get quite excited, um, you know, thinking about how can we improve the products and how can we integrate them so that actually our customers are even more delighted with the experiences that we that we give them. And we're, we're a big part of that. We talk about dog fooding, right? I'm sure you've, you've used that internally, but I think it's a... Uh... Drink your own champagne is, is what we, we, we prefer. Yeah, no, for sure. I... I, I... It, it is a phenomenal way to actually um, talk about we are the we are the users and we have a very large company and we're going to use our products and we're going to make them better for you, right? I think that is uh, that is great. How do you given given the discussion earlier about COVID and you know how people are making changes and all the personal issues that are happening in their lives? How do you get the teams to execute thoughtfully with speed? you know, while obsessing over customers during these times? It's a great question. I mean, one of the one of the things that we have been very conscious about doing is um, dividing and conquering is probably how I would put it. So we, you know, the one thing that I've always been very, very passionate about is we in IT, even though some would say we're in the back office, we're only here because of our customers. And, you know, and we as a Cisco IT organization, we need to move from what's traditionally a spend and operate function to one that is about investing to innovate for impact. So why do I say that? Because the clearer the accountabilities are internally, I think in IT organizations, and the more dedicated teams that you have, my belief is that you can accelerate, right? So first of all, we have to assess about our customers because we're here for them. But to your point about executing at speed, I mean, that is the biggest challenge that faces CIOs today. How do you do it quick enough? So Cisco, we're moving to new business models because our customers demand it. We have to rebuild all of our internal platforms, Chet. That means that I've got to figure out how do I free up 500 people and millions of dollars to go at this at pace so that we can compete in an industry that's changing, right? And, And that we're all challenged with. So, you know, so we're doing, we've done a couple of things. We've done structural changes. I've now got clear accountabilities. Half of my leadership team are going to focus on what I call running and changing of our IT operation, which is critical, right? We have to keep 
Cisco as a company running. We have to keep processing the 50 billion revenue per year on our platforms. But the other half of the team are dedicated acceleration teams on our biggest, you know, new business model opportunities for our customers. So diversity and inclusion is a critical part of our values. And you and I have talked about it before. And um, uh, you've... um, You've cautioned against hiring quotas, right? Encouraging organizations to focus on diversity of thought. Um, Tell us a little bit about that or just your general approach to diversity and inclusion. You know, my view is if you change your culture to be one where you're looking for diverse skills, right? So when when you interview, you shouldn't be looking just for have they got the technology skills to build a SaaS platform. You you need to be looking for have they got proven ability to work with teams? Can they break down complex problems? You know, how, 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 how customer obsessed are they? Um, do they value other, um, other ways of architecting and solutioning or are they just going to do it the way they've done it before? I think there's so many lenses to how we should interview people. And I think if you look for all of those elements, in my experience, you've, what you find is that you end up you end up selecting a very diverse set of individuals to work in your team, as opposed to just looking for what you've seen before and what you know before. So I constantly challenge myself and my team to look for different different skills, to look for different ways of thinking, to look for people who've done things and pushed the boundaries, so that we can bring in some of that you know unknown or new ways of working. Because I do think that you know we you know I constantly think about how do I do it different again? And how do I push the boundaries? And how do I how how do I discover what I haven't even thought about before? And I think the best way of doing that is to build diverse teams. So I think if you do that, that should naturally help you move the quota in the right direction. It's it's really interesting, you know. It's um, because I think I think almost all of us um, have gotten to a point where, you know, skills are table stakes, right? Teamwork. IQ, integrity, work ethic, all those things are table stakes, right? How do we get to a point where we're looking for two or three other things where, you know, it's yes, you're looking for diversity, but I love this diversity of thought, right? Because I actually look for somebody who has worked in a non-IT role, come in and be in the IT world as long as they have the skills, right? Spot on. Spot on. That is that is um, that's that's phenomenal. I mean, and, and also and also, right? Another big one for me: hire people better than you all the time. The quicker you do that, the quicker they take on your role. The quicker you can move to the next one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's that's for sure. I'm going to come back to you on the diversity of thought as I as I think about what we can do in our micro world at Data Stacks. It is something that you know we wrestle with quite a bit, um, and so I might uh, I might come back to you and get some get some additional thoughts. Sure, be a pleasure. I loved CIO.com's uh, uh, article heading, which was like leaning in with Cisco's disco oh, CIO. My oh my goodness! Don't <laughs> embarrass me <laughs> when I saw that article. Well, and then on top of that, it was great because they actually found the right hairstyle to go with the actual article. So uh, yeah, I had to have a chuckle with it. But he he was a lovely guy actually from CIO Australia. But yes, yes, Cisco disco CIO. I love the fact that we can we can still do this, right? We don't take each other too seriously, and they actually can pick things like this, and we can have some fun. Exactly, with it. exactly. By the way, did I tell you that I'm actually, and this is a true story, I'm actually going to start learning to DJ professionally. I finally decided to take the plunge. 
<laughs> Great. Let let us know when you want to experiment. We'll have you have you join one of our all hands because we have we actually at at our all hands we have a what we call the pregame show and we actually DJ the first fifteen minutes before the weekly all hands start. Well, so whenever whenever you whenever you're ready, please let us know if you can you know do a cameo appearance. <laughs> Let's see how courageous I'm feeling. <laughs> uh, so it's very clear you're constantly learning. You use all these different ways of you know of changing things, moving things, learning new ways of doing things. You know, teaching. One of the things that you've recently done is you all you have a mini cooking show for your team. What's your best dish and how do you think it actually impacts the team? So my, well, my, my favorite dish, as in the one I like to cook and the one I like to eat a lot, is lamb vindaloo. So I like spicy food. I love Indian food. Now, I, you know, basically I can cook pretty much anything. I mean, I, go, I can cook Thai food, Uruguayan food, Spanish food, Italian food, uh, French, um, you know, different, different dishes. And um, my mum... My mum is probably one of the best cooks in the world. Um, of course, I would say that, but honestly, a lot of people say it. She's she just uh, she's an amazing cook. And I remember as a young girl, always wanted to get into the kitchen. And, and it took it. She she finally allowed me in one day, and I made a complete mess of trying to make pizzas from scratch with the flour and the yeast and everything else. But yeah, look, I just like it. I mean, I love cooking because it's my way of releasing. It's when I switch off. If I'm cooking or dancing, is where I when I can stop thinking about work and life and worries and and just clear my head um and so yeah i started recording them i just started recording these little snippets one one minute videos two minute videos and circulated a few just to a few people and then of course more people wanted to see them and and actually it just i think it just um it sparked a couple of things one you know i think this covid thing has helped also us enter each other's homes in a way that we haven't before so I think it's 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 bringing people closer together. Funnily enough, even though it's on the screen potentially, but um, yeah, I think I think it's just inspired the team to do versions of the same themselves, right? Whether it's cooking or or other things, and, and just sharing. Yeah, there is. There's definitely a, um, at least I've found right. That, you know, there's a the, there's a humanizing effect, right? We are all naturally doing because. We're not going from back-to-back meetings, and like you said, we, we, you know, people come into the house now, right? And that's where we're having the meetings from. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. Um, who inspires you? God, so many people. I mean, it, you know, if I, if I, without naming names, um, I think people who push boundaries, people who change the world, people who believe in the art of the possible, people who, who, who take on scary things. You know, the, 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 there's so many people who say, let's not do that. It's risky. Let's not do that. I don't know. I don't think I'm ready for that. I think people that inspire me are the ones that really face into the hard and difficult challenges, whether it's in work or whether it's in personal life. That really inspires me. That really, and, you know, and I've met, and I've met people um, in my career that look like that. Um, you know, I've also, if you talk about Mandela, you know, one example, there's so many other examples. I mean, um, yeah, of artists or singers who've gone through their life journeys. You know, Tina Turner. Look at her. Look at her life story. Look at what she went through as a as a girl in her relationship, and she still came out the other end fighting. I think it's those kinds of people that really inspire me. The fighters, the ones that never, the ones that never give up. I affectionately call them wackos because you know they don't actually see how high the cliff is or how deep the water is, but yet they take a leap. 
So uh, yeah, a lot of the, uh, the people who have known me for a while say that I'm the one that usually runs into the fire with a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. By the way, it's a great visual as well. So from now on out, every conversation I have, I'll start with that visual. <laughs> There's yeah. Jackie running into the fire and That's she has it. a grenade. <laughs> there you go. What advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? Younger version of myself. I would say a couple of things. Trust your instincts more. It's probably the first one. Uh, the second one would be um, take time to enjoy the journey. I think that's one of the things that I wish I'd done more of. You know, major success, big programs, life events, moving to other parts of the world. I don't. I, I don't know whether I stopped enough to enjoy the ride, so to speak. So take time to enjoy the journey. Never stop learning for, from those around you. Um, probably the third one. The fourth one I'd say is. It's, it's okay not to know everything. Um, you know, confidence comes from strength. Uh, it comes from having the smarts to have great people in your life, personal and professional around you that can challenge you. And then the, fu- the fifth one I would say is um, the bad things in your life don't define you. It's how you use them that defines you. Jackie, this has been uh, phenomenal. I had a blast doing this with you. I hope, uh, I, I, I hope you had fun because I... Our listeners are going to absolutely love listening to this uh, episode. Excellent. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. See you later. Bye. Building a team with a diverse skill set greatly increases the speed at which you can operate and the innovations you create. And by truly putting yourself in the customer's shoes, you'll transform the way you build products and solutions. It's all about asking the right questions and thinking outside the box. Jackie reminds us that sometimes running headfirst into the fire in work or life is the best way to spark transformation and inspire those around you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Inspired Execution Podcast, hosted by Chairman and CEO of Datastax, Chet Kapoor. We have many more guests and amazing stories to come, so stay tuned. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the series to be notified when a new episode is released. And for Apple Podcast listeners, please rate and review the show to help give it a wider reach to listeners such as yourself. And feel free to drop us any questions or feedback at inspiredexecution at datastacks.com.